Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. What's going on, Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another episode to the Latin Wealth Podcast. Should you keep or sell your real estate property is one of the topics that we're going to jump into today. Whether your property was passed down to you or you've owned for multiple years, we're going to kind of give our insight on what our thoughts are about that. And also stay tuned toward later in the episode, the second half of this podcast episode, because we're going to look at why 90% of millennials have regretted their first home purchase. Yes, I said 90%. We're going to dive into that later in the podcast episode. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Again, welcome to another episode to Wealth Wednesday hosted by the Latin Wealth Podcast. I'm excited to jump into today's topics and discussions. Usually we like to mix it up with, you know, sometimes we talk about crypto and real estate, crypto, stocks, different things and whatnot. I think today's just going to be a real estate episode. So I'm excited to jump into this. And as always, Jeremiah, how are you doing today, bro? I'm doing great, bro. Great topics. Um Obviously, the gyms are going. The gyms are going to be flowing. So yeah. let's make sure that we, you know, pass this on, share, download, do all the things you need to do here because this is going to be. It's going to be one of those ones. Yeah, it's going to be one of the ones, and we're going to jump right into it. So the article that was posted by the Wall Street Journal was titled "Should We Sell Our Home Now or Wait Until One of Us Dies?" Very interesting article, and basically, this article is about. A couple that brought that bought property back in 1989. They paid $80,000 for their lot and they ended up paying $210,000 to build their home on that lot. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, it was their dream home. Um, it was by, I think it was by some type of waterfront somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. But, anyways, their current home value is now listed at $950,000. Uh, which would trigger a $500,000 limit on capital gain taxes. So with that being said, uh, the question that they asked was, should we sell our home now or should we wait until one of us dies? And it's I'm laughing because, you know, this, this couple is at the, um, you know, they, they've lived, they've obviously lived a long time. If they're, if they're discussing like, yo, should we keep this joint until you or I die? Um and it, it's an interesting discussion because, you know, these are things that maybe people are not thinking about, you know, as they're married or maybe as they're they're they've been living alone and they they've had property and whatnot. Um, you know, some of the the numbers on the capital gains in the area and the reason why they're they're trying to debate like what, what should they do is because the top rate for long term capital gains is actually twenty percent plus mm -hmm. a three point eight percent surtax can be applied for high income filers. And uh, I, I mentioned that they are in North Carolina. So very, very interesting stuff. We're also gonna hit on like, hey, what if I had some property passed down to, to me? Like, how do I, what should I do with it? Uh, but the article in the story, Jeremiah, what was your thoughts about it when you went through it? Um, yeah. The overall thought process came the lack of estate planning or estate planning knowledge that we mm. think about as a people, specifically Latinos. And this is just American public, actually, not even just yeah. our group of people, but mm. America in general, we don't estate plan. 
right? And what is estate planning? It's essentially understanding that when I pass, what allotable or interest gained or what taxable entities am I leaving behind for my heirs? And how does that play into basically the taxable culpability? What are they going to have to pay? So a lot of people don't plan out the estate planning and sit and think about how much the house has gained in equity, right? Or the way that that's going to um, end up moving you over into being in a higher tax bracket. Taxes themselves are changing in 2026. They go back to the pre-Trump, I mean, uh, yeah, the pre-Trump era of taxes. It's going to be an additional quarter already of taxes. So imagine someone passing, you get that additional quarter and now you're, let's say like in this example, they, uh, they have basically $700,000 that they've made off their house. Mm-hmm. Now you can only go up to 500,000 of a married couple, 250 if you're single. So you got an additional $200,000 worth of tax culpability. And then that's like 23%, right? And that's not to mention whatever else that you got to pay. And so it, what ends up happening is a lot of people just, they feel lost. Mm. Um, and if you're in your 70s, late 60s, 70s, probably like this couple, if we're looking at age or whatever, in their 70s going probably headed towards their 80s, it's like, I can't sell the home right now because we can't afford to pay the taxes. That's going to eat away anything that we have left, you know, in, as far as retirement goes. Um, I, thought about, I thought about something in this aspect. And it was instead of them selling the home, a lot of times what comes in the thought process, and this is something that we deal with a lot with my clients as well, it's like home equity mm-hmm. and saying, how much equity do you have in the home? And maybe taking a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan out, but sitting and seeing other options instead of selling the home, maintain the home, right? Keep the home, but liquidate some of the money that's inside of the home. So then you're able to do that properly and you're not looking at all the taxes. And as a matter of fact, the the, um, the interest on a lot of those loans, when you're paying it back, that's that's a tax write off. That's another additional way for you to help you in the taxes. Mm. So could we um, quickly clarify the five hundred thousand dollar limit on gains and yeah. what that specifically means? Yeah. Since their home is almost worth, it's pretty much, I think, in almost the article they dollars. yeah almost a million dollars when they listed it, it was worth like a million dollars. Yeah. So the original cost of the home. If you saw it was two, uh, 210 or 213, they right, had an $80,000 lot. The lot does not count, right? Because that's ownership of the land. So we're speaking on the home, okay? $5,000 additional, right? And appreciation of the cost of the home would have put them at around seven fifteen, seven hundred and fifteen thousand dollars mm-hmm. They're at 958, right? So they surpass the amount that they can actually write off or mm-hmm. take away from their taxes as being like a legal gain. So the capital gains tax says when it's more than 500000 that you gain on the appreciation value and you sell that home, whatever is above that $500,000, you're going to pay those taxes on that, mm. right? And so obviously that's an addition, that's $200,000 for them because that's nine fifty eight, so that's almost $250,000 additional money that they would have to pay taxes on. Mm. And so um, I don't know if you went through the, the whole article, but I don't think I've seen anything about Correct me if I'm wrong about estate protection in there, estate no. planning in there. No, they pretty much said at the end, like, oh, the best thing to do is just like, you know, wait until somebody dies. Is this, like how it ended? That's not, that is not the best. That is not the best thing to do. But, but yes, that is how it ended. They were like, well, just basically um, wait till someone passes. That's the easiest <laughs> way to deal with this. I was like, 
And, it, and it's the easiest way what? to end this article. <laughs> That's really what it was. It was not the easiest way to deal with, with this with this issue. Like, by, by no means is that the easiest way. Putting something off, and this is just universal, right? Putting something off until the end or until you have to face it, it's usually that much harder when you have to face it than you facing it head on and preparing mm-hmm. and, you know, planning it out, right? Uh, what they got the six P's, right? I'm not going to go through it, but they, when you don't do that, you put yourself in a bad position, right? So you got to make sure that you're planning appropriately. Mm. So I, I don't agree with the article at the end of saying that just wait till somebody dies and you're, you're good. Yeah, no. And, and speaking about planning it, you know, another reason why I wanted to bring up this topic is because I had an individual hit the DMs in Latin Wells mm-hmm. and he was basically like, yo, um, either he has the property or he's preparing to get the property in Puerto Rico. He's like, I have no idea what to do with it. It's kind of, we're not using it. And um, I love, and I know you mentioned that that you had a similar situation. So I love to kind of sure. break down people's options and what they can do. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things I suggested to him is like, yo, figure out like what you project your lifestyle is like what do you like is this something that because the reason why i say that is you know uh if you ask the average person i think they would love to have a piece of property in puerto rico but not everybody maybe wants to deal with that maybe not everybody wants to go through the process of fixing and flipping it maybe it's just because they're lazy and they just don't want to do the due diligence to figure it out uh but like one of the things and i was definitely like look if you want some more information i got a guy named jeremiah that I can connect <laughs> you with. Uh, but I was trying to give him some basic information yeah. and like figure out like, yo, yeah. what, what do you see for yourself and your family? Is this something that you yeah. want to pass on? So exactly. what, what are your thoughts about that and the situation that you were in? I think that you gave him some very, very potent and, and, and very relative right um, advice for him. Like, what do you want to do with it? Because it doesn't matter really what the best thing to do overall generally would be it's what you and your family what dreams you have what financial goals that you guys have for your family i would say that people have to understand real estate is a local game Mm -hmm. so if i'm inheriting property in texas it's not the same as me inheriting in connecticut or inheriting in wyoming and so you have to understand the local laws and the the state laws right that apply to that property um how long can you stay out of it without certain taxes right Um, are there certain things that have to be upkept because of, so there's all these different things to understand. One thing I'll say about in particularly myself, like with Puerto Rico and, and inheriting land and stuff like that. Um, if you have family or if you're inheriting land from Puerto Rico, I would tell you my opinion. But for me, keep the land. Why is that? Mm-hmm. There is something that's very important. In Puerto Rico, unlike here in, in the United States, when you inherit the home, you don't inherit the lot unless mm-hmm. your parents right? Farm or whatever, they own the actual land. Interesting. The majority of us, you own the home, you don't own the land. And so you're paying taxes essentially on the property tax, right? Because you don't own the, you don't own the lot. You don't own the land, really. You just own the house. Other people don't know that. Mm-hmm. In Puerto Rico, it's a, it's a, it's a complete deal. It's both. Mm-hmm. You own the whole thing, right? And so it's actually you owning land and owning a piece mm-hmm. of that island. I would tell you like this, Take your time, do what's best for you and your family. But if you can avoid selling it, avoid selling it. Figure out ways to properly set it up. Obviously, Airbnb is there. There's mm-hmm. all these different factors, uh, property management people that you can get with. 
I don't have money to do that. Okay, then you need to sit down and develop a plan. But what I'll tell you is, is that understanding homes usually appreciate in the future. And so the thought process should always be like, okay, I'm going to keep this home and then I'm going to what? I'm going to elevate myself a little bit later and, and use it. Maybe if it's going to be from home equity or maybe I'm going to use um, use it for Airbnb. Mm-hmm. But you have to mm-hmm. think a little bit more in the future. And I think a lot of times people really don't sit and think about what all the home could be used for in the future. It's a mm-hmm. great pathway to generating wealth for you and your family. Or maybe in 50, 60 years, your grandchildren, it fits them perfectly and they go back home and live in the home and fix it mm-hmm. up. A hundred percent. I think the the guy that reached out to me, he wasn't trying to get rid of the, the, the property. He was trying to okay. figure out like, what are my options? You know, what can I yeah. do with it? Definitely let them know, like, fix and flip, you know, Airbnb, yeah. rent it out. But let me ask you this. If you were to fix fix it up and then sell the home to somebody, right? Yeah. Is, does that mean he's selling the land as well? Or he can he just, he is would. there a way to just, okay, so there's so, no way so to separate way, the two. There is a way to sell the, there is a way to sell the home and not the land. But that gets very tricky, PR, yeah. simply because of the way that it's structured. It's very different from here. And so... What I tell people is, is a lot of times, a lot of the land and stuff that you have, it's prime real estate. I mean, you probably have various different streams of income on that land. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, there's banana trees, there's coconut mm-hmm. trees. Um, some people had sugar canes that just grew up, right? They, they didn't develop it, but there's sugar all over, like there's um, coffee in some place. Like, and so there's just all these forms of income that maybe you never went and put your eyes on. And so you have to be very cognizant of you know, what you have on the land. Before you say, mm-hmm. I'm just going to sell it, you got to know everything that you have. And so I would say, get to, like you said, figure out what it is that you want to do with your financial from your from the, the family's goals, but also take a visit. You need to go and actually put eyes on it and physically see what see you're getting up. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, I love that. And it, it's funny because this individual, he was, he probably around the same age as me, uh, a millennial, and, you know, the transition a little bit, you know, a recent study came out that one in three millennials are delaying home buying um, as rates rise. Now, this, yeah. I mean, this this article, we'll link it down below, but this article has so many different statistics and numbers about everything. It was, it was a lot. Uh, but it said about 96% of millennials said high interest rates had affected their home buying plan. So with the high interest rate, Basically, everybody's like it affected them some type of way, whether it was good or bad. And then it also said a stunning 90 percent have regretted, have regrets about buying their first home purchase. Right. Which was up from 82 percent in 2023. Um, the most common regret is a bad location, followed by a bad neighbor, bad neighbor and high interest rate. So that's interesting. But. And I'm going to get Jeremiah in here in a second. On the flip side, there's still some millennials, and we were talking about this before we hit record, that are that have high desires f- to be homeowners, right? Yeah. Um, for their dream home, it said that 79% of millennials would pay above the asking price, including 11% who would offer $100,000 or more above the asking price. Pretty sure those people are from Cali. <laughs> Definitely. Right. Definitely. Uh, um, and it's interesting, you know, and congruent with that, I, I mean, a lot of millennials have high debt. So despite yeah. them having a significant amount of debt, 
a significant amount of credit card debt and things of that nature and, and low savings, they still want to be homeowners. So very, very interesting, like ends of the spectrum. And you brought up a great point before we hit record. You said, so what year does the millennials fall in? You said it's 86 to yeah, around so 95? It's, it's, 80, it's 80 to 96. It's 80 to 96. So that's 16 years, right? Mm -hmm. So you can definitely see how maybe the older millennials are like, yo, we, we want home ownership. Opposed yeah. to the newer millennials that are more in the 90s, uh, mid 90s, they're like, you know, we're not we're not in a rush to do this right now. You know, the interest rates are high. We're not going to fool with this right now. So Dude. I say all that to say this was very interesting. I want to know your your opinion on this. No, I mean, let's attack. We can attack or discuss first the millennials. Like I said, the older millennials are the guys that, you know, are in the early 80s. Um, you know, they're in their mid 40s now. So you got to understand the difference here. The thought process with someone like that is their parents are baby boomers, most likely. Mm -hmm. Right. So what they've been engraved in their head or indoctrinated is to buy a home and have two kids and white picket fence and, you know, live this lifestyle. And that was the American dream. Um, but for the mid 90s guys, like the end, the tail end of millennials, that that's not the case because it just doesn't make sense. Most of them grew up in a digital age. There's information overload. There's a lot of information and they were just more informed and they're like, yeah, I don't think that that's a wise decision. Um, probably for the past, I would say the past two and a half years, I've been on my like pulpit basically and telling people don't be fooled. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not for home um, purchasing, um, have homes and stuff, but that, that was in a different, I'm a little bit older. I ain't gonna, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I'm going to say I'm seasoned. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those older millennials, but I'll, I'll tell you that, um, if it came if it came between me investing this money into real estate and me putting it into a different entity that could take that money and flip it three to four or five times and it would inside of a home, I'd take the other option. For sure. Um rent rent is cheaper than home ownership right now. It is what mm -hmm. it is. You can say what you want, but that that just is what it is. It's it's a fact right now. You're right. And so I think people need to sit and look at the numbers. Um, I think we don't need to get caught up into what we were taught or what culturally has been engraved in us and ingrained in our brains to think. And I think just looking at those numbers, you can see there's some real buyer's remorse. There's real regret because mm -hmm. the home is the biggest thing that you purchase in most cases, and it can cost you everything. It can put you in a very bad place. And I think a lot of those millennials, they're experiencing those bad places that it can put you. I mean, you know, a lot of people lost a lot of jobs during COVID and the home that was their dream home, it turned mm -hmm. into their nightmare. Because it literally, you know, put them in a bad place. So Yeah. And I think it's interesting, you know, it said the the most common regrets are bad location, bad neighbors, and high interest rates. The bad location sticks out to me as something interesting because now either you are simply a buying where you can afford and maybe, you know, what yeah. millennials having high debt. Yeah. Um, you know, low saving low savings, maybe it is a neighborhood that they're not wanting to be in or maybe that illusion of like yo being on social media seeing that's what, what other was. people have you know that's this this was. this is considered a bad neighborhood compared to what they have you know that's really what it is yeah i mean any neighborhood is it's not just things a bad neighborhood right there's the people that live in it because we we've learned that time and time again through gentrification if you don't understand what that is look that word up but gentrification is basically where people come back in kick Very the true. 
the natives or the people that have been living there in a quote unquote ghetto or a bad area and they come back in and now everything is millions of dollars a piece. Penthouses with millions of dollars. They did it in Brooklyn. They're doing it in every major city right now. Houston, well, no matter what city you go to, gentrification is everywhere. And so we can't say the area is bad. We can say that our intentions and the value we're currently bringing to that area isn't present, right? Because when you can just remove a group of people and another group of people come in and all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's worth millions of dollars, it wasn't a bad area, right? For sure. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And then I think a lot of people, in 2021, the interest rates were 2.9% for a home. It didn't matter where you bought it. You just figured I'd buy it. Yeah. I'll, I'll flip it later and however, whatever. Like no one ever sat and thought about it coming out that they were going to have like all of these things on the backside of it. Houses going upside down and stuff. So that's what that is. What do you think about what they said in the article? They said, and towards the end of the article, it pretty much said, you know, the way, and I'm quoting it, like the way you should look at your first home purchase is a stepping stone to your dream home. What do you think about that? Or do you think they need like to kind of ex expand upon what that even I mean, that's, means? That's, that's propaganda. Okay. Um, there's a narrative in this country that supplies mortgage companies, supplies the banks, supplies all, you know, to keep things going as they go. Um, and I think we, they, they're going to continue to push that narrative. Because I've seen even right now where interest rates are super crazy. They tell you to focus on the deal. Real estate agents still like do it. Like it's, it's just a narrative. It's propaganda, cool. really. That's, what, cool. that, that's me. That's what I was, that's what I was saying. I rent, a, rent a home, rent an apartment, rent a home until you can save up to get the house that you want. That's what I'll yeah, say. I think that's what maybe I, I'm thinking they're trying to say is maybe they're trying to, in that situation, suggest that you house hack. I agree. As you, you know, should. what I'm saying you, you just you, house hack on just because you got money, you shouldn't be paying like, you know, you should house hack regardless. I yeah. completely agree. But me now, I mean, I'm. I'm almost 40. Me now, if I was 20, there's no way I'd buy a home. Mm. Impossible. Not going to happen. It's just not a smart, it's not a smart decision financially right now. Mm. Um, you know, not only because not only are the interest rates high, but the cost of the homes are, I have also appreciated. So you have, it's double high, right? It was okay. People always compare, well, in 1980, interest rates were 13%. Yeah, but the average home cost was $35,000. So 35,000, 13%. Of thirty five thousand is much different than seven percent of eight hundred and fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. So that's how you know. And these what are just these, numbers and things, huh? What What if these people are just okay with just living in their home? They just they just want a home. Because I feel like you're coming from more of an investor's perspective. No, 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 I'm coming from a I'm coming from a residential side of things. See, the thing that people don't understand is, is that your property taxes shift, your mortgage shifts if it's not fixed. Yeah, all these right. things change and your income is on a scale right now. You're only getting an additional 2% every year mm -hmm. based on tenure. You're not getting a whole bunch of merit-based raises. And so if I stack only 2% gain here, inflation is at about seven and a half. So that's mm -hmm. already over my, 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 right. Oh, and by the way, my, my home, they just shifted up my mortgage and my property taxes just went up. You see what I'm saying? So it's yeah. it's not so much about like from an investor side. This is from a life perspective. I don't mm -hmm. think people are sitting and thinking about it in the overall. You just want to be happy living in your home. But how are you happy if you're broken? You can't keep the lights on. Yikes. Mic drop. 
No, you're right. No, I, I love that perspective. I love that you you broke it down. And it's funny because we were speaking about a book that we're starting to read. It's called Your Next Five Move by Patrick Bet David. And I mean, we we just started reading the book, but it's interesting because in the book, he's talking about like, yo, most people, they don't even know what they're, they're the next two moves, the next move that they're going to make for their life. Yeah. And he's saying as like an intelligent investor, as a successful entrepreneur, he believes you should dial down the next five moves for whatever that is. Now, like, like I said, he, he's going to break it down in the book, but it's, I'm saying that to say like what you just said, like, yo, look at it holistically, take zoom out, whether you want to buy a property, whether you have a property that's been passed down to you, zoom out and see like, what are some different ways that we can benefit from this, this property or, uh, yeah, I mean, just looking at it from a bird's eye view. You also got to think about sometimes the blessings that come to you isn't for you. Mm. You know, sometimes yeah. it's for the next generation or for two or three generations from now. Right. Yeah, and you have sure. to be able to have that vision to see it long term and say, maybe this blessing isn't for me and us right now. But if I keep it in the family, who knows mm. if they may need that home? What if someone's homeless and that turns into a place where people can you can just get to Puerto Rico I got a home for you. It's already there. It's all paid for. You don't got to do nothing. Just go live off the land. Like, and so you have to sit and you got to think about things in a holistic view. And you, I always tell people this, and I tell my clients this when we're sitting down, hey, I want you to understand that we plan for seven generations in the future. Mm -hmm. When I sit down with you, I'm planning for seven generations up. And you teach your kids to do the same thing. What happens is for an eternity, your family continues to have wealth, continues to build. So it's not so much about what's going to benefit you right now, you and your wife, right? Or you and your significant other right now. Sometimes it's not the blessing. And I know that's weird. People are like, what do you mean? Well, sometimes it's not for you. Sometimes it's for your, your children or grandchildren. And you have to be able to accept that and say, I'm going to do the right thing for them for the future. I agree with that wholeheartedly, because if you look at our ancestors and what they went through, they could have just threw in the towel and gave up, but they had the the bird's eye view to say in seven yes. generations jeremiah and chris gonna be sitting on exactly. i don't know if they knew about zoom but you know what i'm saying they know that yeah. they're going to be free and be able to do what they want to do exactly so let's stick it out exactly and that's and that's what i want you to do. and now so instead of slavery right and physical change right help your children and grandchildren or seven generations to remove the financial change the mental change mm. right help them to have be stress-free and be able to live as they please mm. Man, that's it. That's all I need to know from today's um, episode. So yeah, we're going to link the, the two articles in the description of this podcast, or if you're listening on YouTube, um, if you learned anything or gain anything from this podcast episode, it would mean the world to us if you can share this with one other person that needs to hear this episode or more conversations like this on Latin Wealth. Uh, it would truly mean the world to us. And as always, there's a lot of most family and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace, guys.